0: We start Today is not a Mother's Day message, um, but it's tied to it a little bit. But I do want to just take a minute, just say thank you, moms, so much. Um, thank you is not enough for what you deserve and who you are and um, all you do. You know, um, one day is not enough to say thank you. You are just amazing and awesome. I mean, you you start off dealing with men that's hard enough, and then you know this this life grows inside you and you deal with all of that for, for nine months and, and it's born and this special, precious, unique thing that has never been before and never will be again is, is placed in your arms and it's amazing and it's yours and you made it and God grew it in you um, and then a few months later the smell comes out that you've never smelled before. That's the worst thing that you didn't know was possible. saying anything could smell that bad and you continue to love them and raise them and, and then they learn to talk and the first thing they do is talk back and you continue to love them and, and, then they, and then they grow up and they become teenagers, and you continue to love them. And then they start to go out at night and say, uh, Maybe I'll be home. I'm not sure when I'll be home. I'm not sure, you know, whatever. And, and they wreck your car. and I mean, I'm assuming that's not just my mom who went through all that. But um, at any rate, just want to just say thank you so much. You are really so special and precious. There's a godliness to women that men should envy. And uh, so I just want to take today to say thank you so much for, for who you are and all you do. And be faithful. Hang in there. It's not always easy. Um, but God picked you for a purpose. You know, that child that God created, he picked you to be the mom. He picked you to bring it into this world. So thank you for your faithfulness and what you do in being a mom. Amen. 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 Um, today we're going to talk about... Um, and and the, the the events of this past week um, kind of happened coincidentally after I was preparing this message and God put what I want to talk about on my heart today. So this was not the catalyst, but I'm not going to avoid... What's going on? We don't get political in the pulpit. It's not about that at all. Um, but I also realized as I was preparing this and thinking about what's been happening uh, in the world, and, and, and the theme today, the, the, the hope today is to talk about how do we exist in this world today? Because it is, it is foreign to us, and it's becoming more and more uh, difficult to be a follower of Christ in the world that we live in, and it's, it's not going to get better. And so I'm hoping to find some encouragement for, for us all in the scriptures today. Um, but I also realized, before I get started on this, there's just some things that I realized that we don't ever really talk about, and maybe we just assume that we don't need to. We just kind of take for granted that we're all on the, on the same page and have the same point of view. So I want to be crystal clear, and I'll state it publicly right now, that we believe life begins at conception. Um, life is cherished and precious and chosen by God, and I didn't think I was going to act like this, yeah. but I, I don't know. How, and I, can, I can understand a little bit people who have never had children, but how someone who's ever held a newborn baby in their hands could ever think you could kill that. I, I don't understand. I can't reconcile that in my brain. How anyone could think that way. So that's our position here. And maybe part of what I want to talk about today is, is, to, is not the politics is not the answer because it's a heart issue. That's what we're dealing with and what we've always dealt with. It's a heart, it's a heart issue. Gender, okay? God made a man and woman. Marriages between, be, be between a man and a woman. Let's be crystal clear. That's our position here. I'm stating it publicly. That is our position here at Brantford Bible Chapel. And God made men men and women women. And that's the way they're supposed to be from when they were made. And we don't want to just ignore the struggles that people go through. Some, some people have different things that they go on. and It's just it's a natural thing that they fight. There's all kinds of things that happen because of, of the sin nature that, that's in us. And people struggle with that. Um, but let's be, just be clear on our position here. Marriages between a man and a woman, and God made man, man, and woman, woman, and, and that's the way we're supposed to be. And uh, we want to support that. So what I want to kind of talk about today is how do we live in this world with those things going on? Um, and and um, I've been concerned and burdened that there's just so much rhetoric and so much of the conversation is anger and and hate and condemnation. And really that's that response from, from the church especially is just a conduit and, and an extension of what sometimes put those people in that position in the first place. You know, it's, it's the lack of love that they've received that has them so confused in this world in many cases, and they make bad decisions. And um, so I think we need to really consider um, how we respond in this world to what's going on. Um, so do we, do we go out and plant seeds, or do we just expect a crop? There's the work that has to be done. So before we go any any further, uh, let's just commit the time to the the Lord. Father, I want to thank you again so much uh, for your love for us. We're here today because we've had the blessed experience of realizing how much you love us, how much you gave for us to be redeemed. And and we've all accepted that free gift um, to be yours forever. And we realize that you've passed over our iniquities, but it came at a great cost. And so, Father, help us to remember that as we navigate this world, what you've done for us. And um, I just ask you to bless this time and, and the study of your word so that um, we could be changed into the likeness of Christ just more and more each day. So I pray you'd be glorified and your son would be glorified and you'd be blessed this morning and this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn me to the book of Romans, please. Um, I'm going to try and break this down into little little categories here. And uh, we're going to start off with a little perspective, maybe, um, for ourselves. Um, Because we can only control ourselves and what we do. We don't have control over this world. And I I may repeat this again, but let's not forget that this is a fallen world. Our expectations should be appropriate to the world that we live in and and what it is. And in Romans chapter 1... Beginning of verse 18. I know, I'm going to start with 16. Why not? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And I just want to pause right now. One of the challenges we need to be aware of that we're facing they don't know God anymore. There was a time when God was known, but I'm going to choose to rebel. They don't even know who he is anymore. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made by corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who was blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Have you ever stopped to read that list and count how many are you? Or were you? I'm going to say were you. Let's not forget that. Who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Continuing on. Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another you condemn yourself, for you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things, and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? I want to start with a base of of who we are and what we've received. Because sometimes when we look out into the world and we see all the things that are offensive to God, and we get upset about them, You could say it's a righteous anger if you want a righteous offense, but let's not forget where we came from. As we go into a a position of judgment, how quick are we in our flesh to forget the goodness of God that we received, the goodness of God that led us to repentance? They are all deserving of the same. Would you ever go to someone... Who you know is, is offensive and vile and, and aggressive in everything they say when you needed help? Or are you going to go to, the, to where there's kindness, the representation of God? It's, it's a complicated balance in line that we're trying to walk today. Because we now have what we did not have before in the Holy Spirit. The discernment of what things are right and wrong. We have that discernment. But let us not become self-righteous and arrogant, to be blunt, that we are holy and great, and they are awful and wicked. They are no different than you except for one thing, the grace of God in Jesus Christ. That's all that separates us. So before we get high-minded and start condemning people who don't know any better, we didn't know any better once either. It is the goodness of God that leads to repentance. That is why we're here. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 when he's talking about the, the church and their failure to address things inside the church, he says, "What have for what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. So we're messengers, but we're not judging jury. We're not. You know, Satan has lots of lies, right? That's his whole M.O. And the first one that we learn is not true is you're not worthy. You're not worth anything. And it's the realization of our worth in God that he gave so much in Jesus Christ for us, we realize how valuable we are to him. And it changes us. But you know what the lie he likes to tell us after that? They're not worthy. You are special, they're not worthy. Condemn them. That's not of God. That is not of God. But there's a reality as we live in this world that we have to have the right expectation uh, for this. And um, I'll just read it. You don't have to turn there. Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. You know the the Beatitudes really well. The one I want to point out is in verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. We are commanded, and we are called, and we are expected to stand up for righteousness. We are expected to be the voice in this world that says this is right and that is wrong. There's no escaping that. If if we don't say it, how are they going to know? And we're going to face persecution for it. Do you expect it, or are you shocked and offended by it? Does it turn you off and say, I don't want to say anything because I'm going to be persecuted for this? Or are you willing to take the step forward in courage, knowing that as a follower of Jesus Christ we have to say what is right and what is wrong. It really boils down to how, doesn't it? How do we say it? I think sometimes we think that... um, I I think there are those out there, and I think this is where, where the world has a hard time with the message from the church, is I think there are many people who are acting like this is the kingdom of heaven, and they're trying to make this the kingdom of heaven. This is not the kingdom of heaven, brothers and sisters. That is what awaits us, a glorious and beautiful place without sin and without sorrow. This is a fallen and broken world that needs to hear the love of God. We can't mold and make this place. We cannot legislate morality. Now, I say that with the complexity of we need to be those who are standing up for righteousness sake. So we have to be the voice to say this is right and this is wrong. It does matter who's in the bathroom with my child. It does matter that a boy can't swim as a girl against girls. It does matter. And we we have to say it. We're we're obligated. I'm not saying that we don't. And we're going to be persecuted for that. We're going to be called full of hate. And we're going to be called all kinds of awful things. Uh, But maybe there's a a way to get through that. But what I want us to remember as we are blessed for being persecuted in Jesus' name, when we stand up for righteousness... We need to have patience. Second Peter verse, uh, chapter three verse nine. Peter writes, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is patiently waiting and desperately trying to get the message through of how wonderful and powerful his love is. That needs to be our focus. That needs to be our focus. Not immediate change. Um, not things that are going to you know, maybe f- force things. Uh, I-, I don't know a better way to say it, so I'm going to avoid saying something worse. Um, but let's just remember that this is the time that God is being patient with mankind, and he's put us here to give them the message of goodness and love. I, may have shared, I this is one of my favorite verses. Somebody said this to me years and years ago. That's was actually in a message and I never forgot it. It had such an impact on me because we always love John 3.16 but we never read John 3.17. John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But verse 17 says, for Christ did not come to judge the world but that through him it might be saved. That's our role now as followers of Christ. God will judge. God is righteous in His judgment. That is not our place. It is our place to say what is right and what is wrong, but not to judge people. We need to remember that these people who are making the decisions, they're making, most of the time, there's no absolutes, but so often it's just because they're coming from a place of hurt a place of, a place of hurt, a, a place of, of abuse, and a place of neglect. And no love. And the church is going to come in and go and, and say, why don't you follow God? And why should they? They need to hear the message of love. The trick is, how do we do that without seeming like we're condoning? In Matthew eleven nineteen, 19, um, Jesus said, they accused Jesus uh, of uh, hanging with uh, wicked sinners, right? He says, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a wine a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is justified by her children. So Jesus was willing to meet with these people who were outcasts and wicked and sinners. But look at where he did it and how he did it. First of all, he was a man that they wanted to meet with. Okay, He was someone that they wanted to sit and talk to. Secondly, he didn't drag them into synagogue or temple to hear what he had to say. He sat down and had a meal with them. But you notice he also wasn't in the tavern or the brothel. Neutral ground. We have to be careful in our desire to want to meet the lost and show them that you can live a normal life but follow Christ, but also we need to be careful not to step into the filth when we're trying to do that. It's a very delicate place of where you draw your lines. And that's up to you and between you and God. I'm not going to stand up here and say you can do this and you can't do that. I'm just going to encourage you to be very, very careful in the choices you make. And hopefully that you're, you're doing these things with the hope of reaching these lost people. Christ didn't defile himself to reach the lost. But he also didn't force them to be where he had to be. He met them where they are but not in what they are. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, I'll also take a little stretch on, on scriptures in uh, 1 you know, Corinthians chapter 8 when Paul's talking about not eating meat offered to idols. Um, it's kind, of, kind of the same but a little, little different, right? So Paul says, look, I can eat this meat because I know it's nothing. But if someone sees me eating it who doesn't understand... I'm going to cause them a lot of confusion and stumbling. So there may be situations that you know actually are perfectly fine for you. But you may need to think who sees you there and what they think about you being there. I'll give you a classic example that's, that's becoming more and more common today. And it's something that some of us may have to address in our lives. And it's your call between you and God. Would you get invited to a gay wedding? Now, the heart's desire is to say, I want them to know I love them. I, if I condemn them and, and I'm brutal and I'm rude and, or whatever, anything like that, it's going to drive them from God. But if I show up to the wedding, they're going to think I condone same-sex marriage. I'm in favor of it. So you got to draw your lines. you got to be very careful what you say and where you go. In the attempt to show love, what are you saying is actually okay and causing confusion to others? There's things we have to decide. And it's not easy, and it's not always black and white. And everybody's situation and circumstance is different. I'm using that as an example of things you need to think about when you're out there trying to show love, but also not causing confusion. Philippians 4.5, Paul writes, let your gentleness be known to all men. When the opportunities present themselves, one of the most core important things that we have to show if we really want to represent Christ is just like he did, gentleness 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 let your gentleness be known show your gentleness it's 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 a it's kind of a, a weird kind of sentence because on one hand he's saying hey just let it out but on the other hand he's saying make sure they know make sure that they know every opportunity we have the difference the difference The gentleness of God, the gentleness of Christ. There's a lot of gentle people out there. A lot of people who are a lot gentler than Christians, I'll tell you that. But when we have opportunity, there's a magnitude that we need to get to of gentleness and kindness that makes them think that's different. That's what Paul is saying. Make sure they experience a gentleness from you that's different than anything they've ever experienced. Hebrews 12, 14-15 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Look, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. I, hope I don't sound like a broken record. I'm just trying to emphasize uh, these things that are that are upon us. Without these things in us, in this world, they cannot see God. They cannot. They will not. They will not know who He is. They will not understand the magnitude. It's not just words that people need to hear. People need to experience from us the Christ-likeness that they do not know anywhere else. And another way that comes is by pursuing peace. So much now, is worse than ever, is all about conflict and argue and fight and point of view and this thing and that thing. you got to pick your battles. Again, I'm not here to tell anybody what to do or what not to do. But you need to think Before I post this or before I say this, what's really the desired outcome I want and I'm going to expect? Is it going to inflame the situation? Am I just looking to be one of those guys who just, I mean, I'm quick with a zinger. I got him. I got him again. I am so fast. I'm so funny. I'm so witty. I burned him. Or do we want to say something that makes people go, the way you said that, i never heard it before, and it's making me think differently. In Romans 12, I was writing this and I was kind of like, man, I feel like I always go to Romans 12. But anyway, um, maybe I'm going to keep going to Romans 12 until I figure out how to live it. But Romans 12:17, Paul writes, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And then in verse 21, he says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. To me, this is, this is a, a partially uh, an emotion check. It's uh, not responding in turn. They can say what they want to say. They can say however they want to say it. That doesn't mean we have to respond in likeness. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ, how he responded when he was insulted, when he was offended, when he was attacked. If we really are committed to representing Christ and making changes in people's hearts, you got to learn to take it. you got to learn to take it. It's not about swapping insults and being, being quicker-witted. Look, if they want to do whatever they want to do, it's not under your, your responsibility. As Paul says, as much as it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. When we stand up for righteousness and we say what is right and what is wrong and who God is and we're attacked for it, just take it. Maybe they'll feel guilty later. But if you respond in turn, all you do is escalating it and justifying their position. Don't ever give anyone justification for evil. Respond with peace. Turn the other cheek, whatever it is, however you want to apply it. But that, that, that's our position that has to be. And Paul puts it this way. In 1 Corinthians 9, beginning in verse 21 when he talks about the life he's living and how he's doing it, to those who are without law as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Paul was willing to adapt his circumstances, but he never gave up the righteousness of God in his life. People need to see us as real people. We can't hide in the church and have no social interaction in the world because they're never going to know who Christ is. So there is some um, justification for being out there, socializing um, with coworkers or wherever it is we may be, Paul realized that people need to see him as a real person like them, but he never partook in their sin. His goal was that they might be saved. Let's remember this in 2 Corinthians 10.3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. It is a battle out there. But what's the battle we want to fight? Is it souls? Is it the lost? Is it actually showing people that God loves them as they reject him and in turn will reject us when we try and do it? Let's remember what kind of war we're fighting and how to fight it appropriately. Uh, So much, I was thinking last week how, how wonderful it was before today's message What Moses shared last week about the importance of prayer—do you pray before you encounter these situations? Should I know I don't enough. Be honest with you. Often wish I had after the circumstances, but um, do not war according to the flesh. War according to the spirit. Put it in God's hands. Ask God for strength. Ask God for patience. Ask God to control your tongue. Ask God to control your temper. Ask God to show grace. The grace that you were shown. Focus on the grace that you were shown. And remember that those who are opposed to God and his word just don't know any better. We've got to express it to them. So I'm going to leave you with this one thought. Uh, Maybe it's kind of philosophical. Does God need us to defend him? or express him? Does God need us to defend him or express him? Let us leave judgment to God. Let us be the bringers of hope, light, joy, and peace to those who desperately need it. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the love that you've shown towards us. It is uh, so hard to find the words that properly express our gratitude from what you have saved us from. So Father, help us to remember that when we are out encountering the lost, those who are confused on righteousness and, and have been told by the world that one thing is okay, but you say it is clearly not. Help us to be gracious and patient, and kind, gentle. Knowing that the gentleness and the goodness of God is what led us to repentance, and they deserve the same opportunity. But let us not mince words, give us courage and boldness, help us to stand up for righteousness. And if it causes persecution, then God give us the courage to withstand it. But let it be because we stood up for righteousness and no other reason. Let it be because we call on the name of Jesus and in no other name can they be saved. Help us to express you and to let the world know who you are. Not just who you are, but how you are. Lord God, we do this for your glory and we ask you to be glorified and we pray for all those who are lost that today would be their day of salvation. Use us for this opportunity in this time, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. God bless you all. Thank you.